Chapter Eight of Joshua by George Evers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. The men who stepped from the chariots were old acquaintances of Hosea. They were the head chamberlain and one of the king's chief scribes, come to summon him to the sublime port. No hesitation nor escape was possible, and Hosea, feeling more surprise than anxiety, entered the second chariot with the chief scribe. Both officials wore mourning robes, and instead of the white ostrich plume, the insignia of office, black ones waved over the temples of both. The horses and runners of the two-wheeled chariots were also decked with all the emblems of the deepest woe, and yet the monarch's messengers seemed cheerful rather than depressed, for the eagle they were to bear to Pharaoh was ready to obey his behest, and they had feared that they would find his airy abandoned. Swift as the wind, the long-limbed bays of royal breed bore the light vehicles over the uneven sandy road and the smooth highway toward the palace. Ephraim, with the curiosity of youth, had gone out of the tent to view a scene so novel to his eyes. The soldiers were pleased by the pharaoh's sending his own carriage for their commander, and the lad's vanity was flattered to see his uncle drive away in such state, but he was not permitted the pleasure of watching him long. Dense clouds of dust soon hid the vehicles. The scorching desert wind which, during the spring months so often blows through the valley of the Nile, had risen, and though the bright blue sky which had been visible by night and day was still cloudless, it was veiled by a whitish mist. The sun, a motionless ball, glared down on the heads of men like a blind man's eye. The burning heat it diffused seemed to have consumed its rays, which today were visible. The eye protected by the mist could gaze at it undazzled, yet its scorching power was undiminished. The light breeze which usually fans the brow in the morning touched it now like the hot breath of the ravening beast of prey. Loaded with the fine scorching sand borne from the desert, it transformed the pleasure of breathing into a painful torture. The air of an Egyptian March morning, which was wont to be so balmy, now oppressed both man and beast, choking their lungs and seemed to weigh upon them like a burden destroying all joy in life. The higher the pale rayless globe mounted into the sky, the grayer became the fog, the more densely and swiftly blew the sand clouds from the desert. Ephraim was still standing in front of the tent, gazing at the spot where Pharaoh's chariots had disappeared. His knees trembled, but he attributed it to the wind sent by Seth Typhon, at whose blowing even the strongest felt an invisible burden clinging to his feet. Hosea was gone, but he might come back in a few hours. Then he, Ephraim, would be obliged to go with him to Sukkoth, and the bright dreams and hopes which yesterday had bestowed, and whose magical charms were heightened by his fevered brain, would be lost to him forever. During the night he had firmly resolved to enter Pharaoh's army, that he might remain near Tanis and Kassana, but though he had only half comprehended Hosea's message, he could plainly discern that he intended to turn his back upon Egypt and his high position, and meant to take Ephraim with him, should he make his escape. So he must renounce his longing to see Kassana once more. But this thought was unbearable, and an inward voice whispered that, having neither father nor mother, he was free to act according to his own will. His guardian, his dead father's brother, in whose household he had grown up, had died not long before, 
and no new guardian had been named because the lad was now past childhood he was destined at some future day to be one of the chiefs of his proud tribe and until yesterday he had desired no better fate he had obeyed the impulse of his heart when with the pride of a shepherd prince he had refused the priest's suggestion that he should become one of pharaoh's soldiers but he now told himself that he had been childish and foolish to reject a thing of which he was ignorant nay which had ever been intentionally represented to him in a false and hateful light in order to bind him more firmly to his own people the egyptians had always been described as detestable enemies and oppressors yet how enchanting everything seemed in the house of the first egyptian warrior he had entered and kasana what must she think of him if he left tanis without a word of greeting of farewell must it not grieve and wound him to remain in her memory a clumsy peasant shepherd nay it would be positively dishonest not to return the costly raiment she had lent him gratitude was reckoned among the hebrews also as the first duty of noble hearts he would be worthy of hate his whole life long if he did not seek her once more but there was need of haste when hosea returned he must find him ready for departure he at once began to bind his sandals on his feet but he did it slowly and could not understand why the task seemed so hard to-day he passed through the camp unmolested the pylons and obelisks before the temple which appeared to quiver in the heated air marked the direction he was to pursue and he soon reached the broad road which led to the market-place a panting merchant whose ass was bearing skins of wine to the troops told him the way dense clouds of dust lay on the road and whirled around him the sun beat fiercely down on his bare head his wound began to ache again the fine sand which filled the air entered his eyes and mouth and stung his face and bare limbs like burning needles he was tortured by thirst and was often compelled to stop his feet grew so heavy at last he reached a well dug for travellers by a pious egyptian and though it was adorned with the image of a god and miriam had taught him that this was an abomination from which he should turn aside he drank again and again thinking he had never tasted aught so refreshing the fear of losing consciousness as he had done the day before passed away and though his feet were still heavy he walked rapidly toward the alluring goal but soon his strength again deserted him the sweat poured from his brow his wound began to throb and beat and he felt as though his skull was compressed by an iron circle his keen eyes too failed for the objects he tried to see blended with the dust of the road the horizon reeled up and down before his eyes and he felt as though the hard pavement had turned to a yielding bog under his feet yet he took little heed of all these things for never before had such bright visions filled his mind his thoughts grew marvellously vivid and image after image rose before the wide eyes of his soul not at his own behest but as if summoned by a secret will outside of his consciousness now he fancied that he was laying at kasana's feet resting his head on her lap while he gazed upward into her lovely face anon he saw hosea standing before him in his glittering armor as he had beheld him a short time ago only his garb was still more gorgeous and instead of the dim light in the tent a ruddy glow like that of fire surrounded him 
then the finest oxen and rams in his herd passed before him and sentences from the messages he had learned darted through his mind nay he sometimes imagined that they were being shouted to him aloud but ere he could grasp their import some new dazzling vision or loud rushing noise seemed to fill his mental eye and ear he pressed onward staggering like a drunken man with drops of sweat standing on his brow and with parched mouth sometimes he unconsciously raised his hand to wipe the dust from his burning eyes but he cared little that he saw very indistinctly what was passing around him for there could be nothing more beautiful than what he beheld with his inward vision true he was often aware that he was suffering intensely and he longed to throw himself exhausted on the ground but a strange sense of happiness sustained him at last he was seized with the delusion that his head was swelling and growing till it attained the size of the head of the colossus he had seen the day before in front of a temple gate then it rose to the height of the palm trees by the roadside and finally it reached the mist shrouding the firmament then far above it then it suddenly seemed as though this head of his was as large as the whole world and he pressed his hands to his temples to clasp his brow for his neck and shoulders were too weak to support the weight of so enormous a head and mastered by this strange delusion he shrieked aloud his shaking knees gave way and he fell unconscious in the dust. End of chapter 8